Don't forget Mother's Day. I, I have forgotten Mother's Day before. One time, Diane and I, I, I forgot Mother's Day, and so I hopped, on the, I hopped online real quick, and I was like, well, I'm going to be smooth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to buy her a hotel. I'm going to buy her a one-night stay at a hotel, which if you're a mom here today, how many of you guys, you'd appreciate just a break for, four, yeah, you guys, your hands, you guys, your hands went up way too fast. You're like, yes, geez, I didn't know if y'all, I didn't know what was about to happen, Pentecost or something. was about to, Y'all like, yo, get me up out of here. And um, so we, I was like, I'm going to get her a, I'm going to get her. So I walked up to her and I was like, yo, girl, I got you a hotel. I got you a one-night stay at a place over in uh, Celebration. And she's like, yeah, I already know the credit card company sent the, the, already sent me the information. I'm like, oh, crud. I thought I was smooth. So now I got to like try to figure out, I got to get like a, a, a side, side card so I can be guiding her gifts and stuff. But I was talking to some of my friends. I said, hey, what's the best gift? Uh, what's the worst gift? What's the worst gift that you've ever given your mom or that you, that you, that you've ever received that you've ever given to your mom and one guy said that uh his he picked up a um he picked up a card uh, i'm reading this off my phone but he goes I, I picked up a card and it was said a bunch of nice things about mother's day it was great and then it got to my 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 it got to the very end and it said mom uh, you've been like it said you've been like a mom to me i mean he just didn't even read the card fully like you want to make sure that you if you're going to give him a card Make sure you read one, like, you don't want to give them a card and be like, you're the best grandmom ever. Like, you don't, that will be weird, okay? So make sure you read the card fully. Um, I'll tell you what not to do. I, I'm, a, I'm an example for a lot of things of what not to do. Um, one time I thought it was a really, really good idea. I was like, yo, mom, I'm taking you out for Mother's Day. So I called my brother, I'm like, yo, let's take mom out for Mother's Day. All the ladies were going to go to, like, I don't know where they were, they were going to see, like, a show. Back then it was called Bob Carr, and they were going to go see this show. And so I, I told my brother, I was like, yo, let's take mom out. For, um, for Mother's Day, let's, let's take care of her. Like, we got this. Let's take her to a nice place. And so we gathered all the grandkids together. That was strike one, all right? We took them to a nice establishment. We, we, we called places. Every, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mother's Day, every restaurant's packed. So we took her to a nice place called Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. It's, I think it's Italian. It's Pizza Hut. It's a nice joint. Don't take her to Pizza Hut. She will not like it. She'll smile and act like she is, but she will tell all your brothers and sisters how bad of a son you are later. You know what I'm saying? So there's six of us. The bar is the bar is set high. But listen, we're glad, we're glad that you're here. I talked to one lady. She's like, one year I just got my mom a pair of socks. I just threw them out of the door and said, happy Mother's Day. Hope you like them. That's what not to get her. Get her some flowers. Get her some roses. Guys, don't buy, guys, don't buy your wife a vacuum cleaner. May or may not have done that before. That's a bad idea. That's not going to work. And... Um, but we're, we're glad you're here today. You're here today. Some of you guys, you're, you're, not, a, you're not a mom. Some of you guys say Mother's Day is a, it's a tough time for you. It's a frustrating time. You've, you've gone through some tragedy in your life, and maybe you've had some loss in your life. And uh, we want you to know this. Some, everyone in this room here today, you've, you've dealt with some sort of loss or maybe some sort of frustration or maybe some things aren't going the way you thought they should go. And, and uh, maybe you've lost a child or maybe, you've, maybe you've, you're wanting to have a child, but you've not been able to get pregnant with a child. And the Bible talks about... Bible talks about those kinds of things and those kind of days that are really, really tough. And the Bible says this, if you feel like you've been kicked in the gut, God's right there next to you. So if you feel like you're just going through a tough, 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 tough time, we want you to know God's right there with you. He's, he's, we're cheering for you. We're rooting for you. But God's right there. And he wants to breathe some life. He wants to breathe some life into you today. We've been in a series called When Pigs Fly. It really is a series on a miracle. And a miracle is simply this, when God does something that you and I can't do. And if you've lived long enough, you realize there are a lot of things that you can't do, that God can't do. But if you've never heard that saying, when pigs fly, it's like when you ask your kids, is your room clean? They go, oh, it's perfect, mom and dad. It's perfect, mom. The room is completely clean. Yeah, when pigs fly. It just, it's not reality. It's like, hey, how is your report card? 
my report card is incredible. Then you open up the mail from the, or the email and you see the card and you're like, your, your report card was not good. It was like when pigs fly, you know, like, or if you say, hey, are you, what time, you say, hey, mom, dad, I promise to be home by curfew. Yeah, when pigs fly. It, it, it will, it'll never, it'll never happen. So we've been talking about miracles in here today and we believe this, that God wants to do a miracle in your life. Some of you guys in here today, you came here super desperate, you came here super needy, you need something, and the thing that you need the most is a miracle in your life. And I want to let you know in here today that God wants, to, God wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants your story to have a miracle attached to it. He wants to have a miracle attached to your story. If you have a Bible, flip over to, um, to the New Testament, I mean, sorry, to the Old Testament. There's a story in the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 4 that I really want to preach to you today that I think is going to, I think it's going to help you, and I want to help you today. I think this is going to, it's going to set you free. In 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story of a lady who was a widow, and she, and she was about to make her last bit of food and her last bit of meal, and a guy by the name of Elisha shows up, and Elisha says, hey, make your last meal and give it to me. Sounds selfish, but Jesus says, or Elisha says to the lady, it's okay, I'm going to take good care of you. So she goes over, and she makes her last bit of meal, the bread, the oil, she makes the, the food, she gives the food to Elisha. Elisha tells her this, well, now she's like, now I'm out of food. What do I do now? Elisha says to her, go to all your friends, get as many containers as you possibly can, line the containers up, and once the containers are all lined up, I'm going to fill them with oil. And Elisha performs a miracle there where he performs this miracle that we preach a lot about where he fills the buckets up with oil. They go out and sell the oil, they make money, and they live happily ever after. If you keep on reading in the story, we're going to a little bit further down. In, in 2 Kings chapter 4, in verse 8, the Bible says it's that same guy, Elisha, he went to the town of Shunem, and there was a wealthy woman there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. She said, you need, Elisha, you need to come to my house. I'm a really good cook. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something. He, he would, every time he was in, that, in town, he would stop at this lady's house who had really, 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 really good food. Fried chicken, biscuits, collard green, watermelon, like the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? She had peach cobbler with homemade crust on the top. They, they don't know about that. They don't know about that. We know about that. Like everybody else like, what's homemade peach cobbler? Like you haven't been there. If you grew up in a, in a, in a house where, you, where, your, where your grandma or your mom was black, peach cobbler, they put the whole bag of sugar in there. Like, it, like some of you guys, you, you guys can make like six meals with a bag of sugar. Grandmama them, they just dumped the whole sugar in there. I'm like, grandma, where's the measuring scoop? She's like, honey child, please. And she just dumped the whole bag of sugar right in. That's, that's good. This lady, she could, she could get down and she in the kitchen. So every time Elisha was like, yo, let's go get a meal from our girl from Shunem. I'm sure, so verse 9, she said to her husband one day, he kept on passing through. I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time, he's a holy man of God. And I want to say to you, I don't want to go too far, but we should all strive to be holy people. We should, people should be able to say about you, man, that's a holy man of God. That's a holy woman of God. That lady, there's something about them. They're making a huge, they're making a huge difference. So verse 10 says this, let's build a small room for him on the roof and let's furnish it with a bed and a table and a light and a chair and a lamp. And then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And this guy, he's killing it. Like, he's done such an incredible job that people are like, yo, you need to come stay at my house. We, we want to be a part of whatever you're doing. I think you're doing something incredible. I want to be a part of whatever it is that you have going on. Verse 11 says this, one day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to his place, and he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, like, she doesn't even get a name in the Bible. Like, that's pretty trashy. Like, she, yeah, you're the girl from Shunem. Like, I don't know if that meant that she was a baller. Like, everybody knew the woman from Shunem. Like, she was, she was, the Bible says she was rich. 
but she doesn't even get a name in the Bible story because her name's really not that important because God wants you and I to know that he wants to give us a new name. And whatever name you carry, my name is Wes. My son to me said, Dad, where'd you get your name from? I got my name from my dad. He, my son got his name from me, John Wesley the Beach from the first, John Wesley Beach from the second, John Wesley Beach from the third. Whatever name it is that you carry, God wants to give you a brand new name. Maybe that's why her name's in there, not in there, because it really doesn't matter, because now I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the king. And so the Bible says, and this a little bit, going on a little bit further in verse 12, it says here that he says, tell the woman to come up here. I want to speak to her. She gets there, verse 13. Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern that she has shown to us. Whenever, what can we do for you? What can we, we want to pay you back. What can we do to help you? And she says this. He says, can we put a good word in for you, for the king, for the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes really, really good care of me. Verse 14. Later, Elisha said, what can we do for her? He goes to the servant and goes, man, we got we to gotta do something for her. This lady has, has helped us out. And Gehazi says this. She doesn't have a son, and her husband's old. Shots fired. Like, yo, he's too old to have a kid. Like, that's what she's like. He, she can't, she doesn't have a child, and it's too late for her to have a child because her son, her, her, because her husband is old. In verse 15, call her back again. I know you're probably thinking, this is like the weirdest Mother's Day message ever. It's going to get better. I promise. I promise. <clears throat> verse 15, call her back again, Elisha told her. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. And this is where the plot thickens. She says to him, no, sir, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, no, she starts crying out, oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. If you're in here today, you've probably been in a season of your life where you have prayed for something and it never showed up. Like you were asking God, you were praying, you were believing, you were singing the songs in church, your name is high, forever lifted up. Like you were singing all the songs, you were worshiping Jesus, you were giving, you were serving, like you were praying, you were believing, you were in a community group. And then somebody shows up and says, hey, you know that promise that God promised you? Believe again. And you're like, no, I'm good. God want, maybe you come to church before and you're like, man, God wants to use you in a credible way. God wants to do something in your life. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm not... I'm not interested. I, was, I met a friend of mine yesterday at a, at a birthday party. I was talking to him. He's like, I said, hey, do you know these people? I see them a lot. They work for this company. I always see them at Starbucks, which happens to be my second office. And I always see them there. He's like, oh, yeah, they work for us. I said, do they go to church? He goes, they work for my company. I go, do they go to church anywhere? No, they don't go to church anywhere. He said that they, they, went, they were part of a church up in the northeast, and it was, it was a failed church plant. They said, and they were part of the organization that you're with, so make sure that you don't mention that. They had a dream in their heart. They had something in their heart that was going, and then things went, went completely sideways. And you like, you just quit asking God, God, I don't want that. I know that that was for me back then, but clearly it's not for me now because I've been praying and I've been believing and I've tried. I've worked as if it depended on me. I prayed as if it depended upon God, and it never happened. So I quit praying and I quit believing. That's where we find this lady at. And she says, no, I don't want to be a part of that. Verse 17, but sure enough. God does what he wants to do. The woman soon became pregnant, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha has said it. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly, he got sick and said, my head hurts. My head hurts. Soft. But he did what any good dad would do, Chris. He said to his servant, take this little soft boy to his mama. If my son walks in and he's like, I need a Band-Aid, I need a Band-Aid. When he starts bleeding, 
whether it's one speck or a lot of blood, he's like, I have a blood. I have a blood. I'm like, I'm not giving you a bandaid. You're soft. Like, go, I'm like, spit on it. You know, like, that's what we did growing up. We just spit on it. We kind of just rubbed it in a little bit. We're like, you get some dirt and kind of rub it on it. If you're from where I'm from, like, we, a little bit of Robitussin. Like, we just weren't, we weren't, there was no bandits. And here's what I realized when I read this story. I, 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 when we grew up, there were six of us. We were too poor for band-aids. That's why I don't get the whole need for a band-aid. I mean, he's like, I need a band-aid. Now, in my house now, we apparently we've made it to the top because we've got all kinds of band-aids. We've got Dora the Explorer band-aids. We have small band-aids. We have medium band-aids. We have large band-aids. We've got gauze in case it's a major catastrophe and we can't get to the hospital. Like, we are, in case there's a zombie apocalypse. Like, we're prepared now with all kinds of band-aids. We even have SpongeBob band-aids, but don't judge us. We don't let them watch SpongeBob, but we'll let them use a SpongeBob bandage. I know it's confusing for them. They're going to figure it out. But the reality is that we've got all kinds of band-aids. He goes, Dad, I'm sick. And he's like, go see your mom. Go see your mom. A typical man. And all the women said, amen. I know that's right. Verse 20 says this. They took him home. <clears throat> the fever didn't go away. Or noontime, he died. She carried him up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and left him there. Now, this is, in, this is where it gets intense. Like, this is why I come to church. Like, I want to, like, give me, like, a good story. This is like when the movie gets a little bit thicker, okay? Catch this. He says in this story here, instead, he, he, her son dies, and instead of preparing a funeral, she, mar she picks him up, she takes him upstairs, and she places him at the, in the bed of the man that she brought, that she let come into her house. Pretty t that's intense, right? Like, she's going to let him know what's up. Like, she's like, hey, bro, you promised me something, and you've, and you've not come through, you've not come through on your promise. Verse 21, she carried him up, laid him on the bed. Verse 22, she sent a messenger to her husband. She's like, you need to come home, husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come her back. She's going to let him know what's up. Verse 23, why go today, he said. It is neither new moon, festival, nor Sabbath. But he said, it will be all right. She goes, I'm going to go see this guy. Verse 24, so she saddled up the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to go. Because how many of you guys know here, when mama's got to go, mama's got to go. Another thing I want to teach you guys today for the rest, of the rest of the day, there's a saying out there, if mom ain't happy, nobody happy. That's all you really need to know for Mother's Day, okay? Take good care of her or she'll cut you. You know, like that's just what you need to do. Take care of your woman. So take care of your mom or you get in trouble. Um, let's keep on reading. Verse 24, the Bible says this. So, he's, so they're hurrying. Verse 25, as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance and bro got scared. Like, let's be honest. He's like, yo, there's that girl. Like he was looking for her. That's why he saw her coming. He's like, because when this mom comes up, I'm getting out of here. Now, I, I, I'm just going to stop for, stop maybe a couple more times this passage of scripture. When I was a kid, my sister texted me, my, my younger sister, my middle sister, texted me and my older sister this week, and she goes, is it true? Now, usually whenever a conversation starts with, is it true, I'm like, yo, I don't remember that. <laughs> like, I, I can't remember that. She goes, is it true that the principal, we went to a private school, did the principal really paddle you guys? Did she, did I make that up, or did the principal really paddle you? I'm like, yo. She's like, or was, or did dad go to the school, and did he paddle you? I'm like, Q, I was like, yes, both. The principal paddled me and my, and my dad paddled me. And I was thankful that the, parent, the, that the, that the principal paddled me. It was like a warm-up for what I was going to get later. Like, I, my, by the time my dad got there, like, yo, my buns were warm. Like, he's like, wore me out. So I, I read the story, and, and now, 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 now things have changed now. Now, back in the day, when my parents would send an email, my parents would send an email, they would call, back then there wasn't an email, that shows you all what I was, they would call, they would call home and say, hey, your kid was bad. 
Well, my parents would be like, yo, spank them and I'll get there. Nowadays is different. Nowadays, if a, if, a, if a teacher sends an email home about the kid, it's the mom's fault. I mean, it, it's, it's the teacher's fault. The mom's like, I'm going to go talk to your teacher for you, honey. Come here. And little hover mommy grabs her son or daughter and takes them into the school. And she goes, now you hurt little Johnny's feeling. I'm just going to throw this out there. We got to go old school. We got to go. We, if, we, if, principals were, if principals were spanking the kids... Then it would make our job a little bit easier when we got home, you know. Now they're trying to vote whether or not teachers can carry guns to school. Like, spank these kids, and they'll be afraid of you. We'll have no more problems. This side doesn't, they're not, they're not listening to me over here. They're not hearing me. This, this, y'all can leave. I'm going to preach to this side. They're, they're, they're hearing the message. So this lady, she's like, yo, Elisha, we got a problem. We're going to fight Elisha. Verse 25, it says here, she approached the man. He, he saw her. She, she says, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out there and meet her before she gets here and embarrasses me in front of all these people. Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman said, which is kind of, confu- kind of confusing because things aren't all right, but they're, they're not all right, but she says they're all right, and she goes, everything's fine. But guys, it's like whenever you ask your wife, are you good? And they're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Like, they're not good, but you know, like, you ask them, hey, everything cool yet? Yeah, we're cool. If they say, yeah, we're cool, they're not cool. I'll ask them, like, you, you good? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, okay. What happened? The next question you want to ask, this is a good question you can learn, guys. Write this down. Honey, what did I do wrong? That's what I, that's, that's what I would say. What did I do wrong? So she, she, she's about to light this guy up. Verse 25, run out to meet her, ask her, is everything all right with you and your husband and your child? She goes, yeah, we're good. Things are fine. Things are fine. Verse 27, the Bible says this, but when she, when, she, when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him. She caught a hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son? Oh, no, you didn't. And, then I, and didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? You did exactly what I told you not to do, and then you did it. Verse 29, Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. This lady's about to get really upset. Take my staff, and I want you to go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. I don't know what that did. It did nothing, verse 30. But the boy's mother said this, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha went with her. She's like, I'm not going with you. I'm not going. The mom says, I'm not going unless you go with me. Because you promised me a son, God. You gave me a son, and now you've taken it away. God, you promised me a relationship. You gave me a relationship, and then you gave it away. God, you promised me a job. You gave me a job, and now it's gone. God, I put a lot of hope. I put a lot of trust. You gave me this. For some of you guys here today, you placed your faith and your hope in a church, and then now that church has let you down, and you're like, God, where are you now? Elisha saying, hey, I'm right here. It's going to be okay. And she's saying, it's not okay. My son's gone. My son's dead. And I sh- you should have never given it to me. She's, now she's doing the finger pointing. And I want to let you know in here today, if you feel like, if, you get, if you're at a place in your life and you want to point your finger at God, it's okay. It doesn't offend him. You're asking tough questions. It's okay. God has answers. He's not afraid of your tough questions. You're mad. You don't know whether to, 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 to go left or to go right, I want, you're okay. You're in good hands. The Bible says that if you feel like you've been punched in the gut, God's right there. He wants to be there for you. 
So we find ourselves in this story, verse 30, the, 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 and the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. The very next verse says this. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. Verse 32, when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. Verse 33, he went alone, he shut the door behind him, and he prayed to God. But sometimes prayer doesn't work. Write that down. Sometimes prayer doesn't work. The very next verse says this, when the prayer didn't work, he laid down on the child's body. He placed his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the, on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. He began to live again. Verse 35, Elisha got up. He walked back and forth across the room. He's like, come on, God, do this, God. I've been praying, God, do this, God. God, I've been praying. God, show up. I've been praying, God, show up. And then he stretched himself out again on the child. He did it a second time. Then the time the boy sneezed seven times, he opened up his eyes. He got up. He walked around. The mom heard shuffling on the feet on the other side of the door. She opened up the door. She went in. She gave him a big hug. And she's like, praise God. Now, the problem is that's a really, really good story. But a lot of you guys, you're in it. And you're at the shunem lady, but you're at the place right now where, you're, where Elijah, Elisha has not showed up and he's not brought your son back to life yet. We had a lady come to church this week. She lost her daughter four or five, six months ago. Do you think this was the worst Mother's Day of her life? Absolutely. That's where we find ourselves sometimes. We find ourselves. I was at a funeral just yesterday. My uncle passed away and my wife finds herself. Her first Mother's Day, who's, her, husband, her husband who's been there for decades, he, who's going to bring her the, who's going to bring her Mother's Day card now from her, from her husband? She's not going to get that ever again. She's not going to, that's never going to, that's never going to again. You find yourself in the middle of the storm where things are moving, things are shaking, things are going good, and then all of a sudden the drought comes. I want to let you know today, sometimes the drought comes. I got to be a pastor. I got to lead a church where I make sure I prepare you for the drought. A lot of people, a lot of Christians in here today, I met this couple the other day, like, I don't want to go to church anymore. You know why I don't want to go to church anymore? Because someone told them that when you get saved, everything's going to be okay. But the reality is you get saved, the droughts come, and most pastors never spend the time to prepare the people for the drought. But the droughts come. They come. They always come. This was a tough week for me in ministry. Someone said to me, how's, how's church going? I said, this, was the, this has been the toughest week in four years was this week. The hardest conversation I've ever had to make with this year. The droughts come. It's easy for me to say, man, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. He's doing incredible things. Today, he's God, God's today. He's the same yesterday, forever. His mercies are new every single day for you. But sometimes I walk into places that I don't want to go to, and I realize, man, this is not going to the whack like I thought it was going to go. I want to let you know that sometimes the droughts come, and you find yourself before the miracle happens. I want to preach a message to you today. Two things. Here's the first one. God has a better plan for you. God has a better plan for you. She didn't want the child. Remember that? Like, what if God would have gave her what she wanted? Church, can I ask you a question? What if God gave you, what if God gave you something that you didn't want? What would you do? How would you live? This story says right here that she gets, she's like, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. What if he, she couldn't, she, didn't, she wanted it, but she got tired of asking for it. And God gave her that child because God had a better plan for her than she had for herself. God has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. You're like, well, I'm really good at making plans. I'm a really good plan maker. Um, Joel's, Joel's new, new to our church. He, his friend Abel said, hey, come play for them this week. I'm gonna be out of town, so he came and played for us. 
And when I come to church on Sunday, when I come to church on Sunday mornings, I'm dressed like I'm about to go work out. I'm wearing tennis shoes and t-shirts. Like the same thing I wear to work out, I wear that here and then I change later. So I was talking to them there and the, and the thing, I'm just sitting there talking, chatting up with them, talking about life and music and all these things. And then I walk away. I, I was like, I'll be right back. I go, go back in the locker room. I changed my clothes and came back. He looked at me, he's like, you're the pastor of the church? I said, I get that all the time. You judge me, but it's totally fine. I don't let them judge people, but you're a guest. You can judge if you want. They're new. Sometimes I wake up and I put my clothes on and I get ready. I'm like, well, I'm the pastor of this church. I I got a really good plan. And God's like, Wes, I don't care if you're the pastor of this church. You don't, your plans aren't my plans. My plans are better than your plans. And I, and I have to, I have to soak that in. Like you have to soak it in. God's plans are better than your plans. Some of you guys are really good at planning. My wife, we're, we're going on vacation in a few weeks. My wife wants to, she wants to plan out all the meals for six days and wants to figure out where everybody's going to sleep at in the itinerary. And I'm like, yo, chill. That's why it's called vacation. You take a break. You take a break. God has a better plan for you. God has a better plan for you. I want you to believe that today. God has a better, God has a better plan for you in here today. The question is, is do you believe that he has a better plan for you? I believe it. I, I believe that for you. I can't believe that for, I, but you have to believe it for you. My belief's only gonna get you so far. Do you believe that God's got a better plan for you? And the second one I wanna, I wanna spend a little more time on as well is that God is putting together a miracle just for you. Some of you guys in here today, a lady walked in to our church two weeks ago. She messaged me uh, two nights ago and said, just found out. I said, man, I, I messaged her like, hey, I'm so glad you're at our church. And she's like, you know what? I just found out that I have breast cancer. And she said, I just figured I, I need to be in church to walk through that. And she's like, I'm just, I'm praying for a miracle. That's what I'm praying for. I said, I'm gonna pray with you. God is putting together a miracle. From the point of where you are today to when the miracle happens, there's only two things in between there. It's time and your belief. From the time of, where you, from where you are today and when the miracle shows up, there's time and your belief. I want you to know in here today that God's preparing a miracle just for you. You have to personalize that today. He's putting together for me. Here's what I know. If you're in here and you're looking for a miracle, the miracle that God has prepared for me is not gonna be for you. I'm asking God to give us a church location, another one this year. We've been praying for that. We've, we've, we started off, God put that in our heart in September and our, we're turning four in September. I'm asking God to give us a location. Why would you ask God to give you a location? Because I can't afford a location. It's expensive. Grass is millions of dollars. I see grass all the time. Like, man, that'd be nice to own some grass. <laughs> God's blessed our church and, and we're, we're growing and he's doing incredible things. And I go places and wh- whether I'm at, I was, I, whether I go to Rotary or I'm at, I got friends from Rotary, they're on different boards across the town. We're people from Habitat for Humanity. They're talking about Hope Church and Matthew's Hope. They're talking about Hope Church. And everywhere I go, there's, we're making a huge dent. The guy said to me, for a church your size, you guys surely are making a huge difference. You guys are really making a huge difference in your church. Now, he goes, I, gotta, I wanna come see your church. I wanna thank your church. You, you guys have been helping us since day one. And I'm thankful for that. We're making a huge difference. We, we, re- we really are. We're believing for a miracle for you. We really are. But do you believe? Do you believe that? We're asking for miracles. I'm asking for miracles for this church. I'm asking miracles for my own family. I'm asking miracles for you. I have a list. I have a, a long list of people asking for miracles. 
People say, hey, my marriage is just not working. It's, it's not working. It's not going to work. Can you just pray and believe? Can you just pray and believe? A friend of ours, you know, for the last two years, she just prayed and believed, prayed and believed, prayed and believed. Brilliant. God hasn't answered her request the way that she thought he was going to answer. He answered it. He answered it, but he didn't answer the same way. I sit with 20-year-olds a lot. I like sitting with young people where a lot of people are like, yeah, I can't stand young people. I love, love, love young people. And the reason why I love young people is because there's so much potential. There's so much potential. So I sit at my house with a bunch of 20-year-olds. You know what? All of them have something in common. All of them had plans. They're all 27, 28, 29 now. They all had plans. Every single one of them last week, going around the room. Well, when I was 25, I'd be married and I thought I'd have two kids. Uh, well, I, when I was, you know, I, I'm X, I'm, I'm this age, and I, didn't, I never thought by this age, I, didn't, I never thought I'd get divorced this young, ever. Every single one of them, the way that they, their life that they had planned out, it's not going the way that they thought it would go. Can I tell you something here today? God wants to prepare a miracle for you and for me. His plan is better. He's working a miracle out just for you. So what I told them, what I told them is what I want to tell you. Is that God wants to do a miracle in your life, but the miracle he's gonna do in my life, it's not gonna be the same as he's gonna be for the McMillans or for the guns or for the partners. My miracle that God's preparing me, it can only work for me. And yours can only work for you. It can only work for you. Are you believing God for a miracle? Are you hoping life just just happens? Are you hoping life just happens and just goes okay and or are you believing God for something greater? God's so much greater than we believe. So that's my message. I want to share one more thing to you. And um, I've kind of thought long and hard about whether or not to share this with you guys today. And so just kind of bear with me. I have a, um, I've been at three funerals in the last, um, in the, probably the last four or five months. And I've thought the same thing at every funeral. I'll be really honest with you today. Like if you're new, you're like, this church is mad weird. This is every week though. So if you like this, then come back. And if you don't like it, then there are some really good churches in our city. There aren't a lot of them, but there are some good ones. And um, so I've gone to all these funerals and honestly, every funeral I've walked into, I've walked into those funerals in a bad mood, not wanting to be there. And, you know, and then when I get in there, I start listening. You know what makes, you know where I, where I find myself at a lot? Because when I'm in those funerals, I hear people using verses like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I'm, and I'm sitting around, I'm like, and I don't know if this is judgmental or not, I'm just gonna be super transparent with you. My coaches tell me, sometimes they tell me, you're too transparent. Some people tell me you'd be more transparent, but I'm sitting there thinking, they didn't even go to church. I look around the room and the rooms are, some of them sometimes are full, sometimes they're not full. Yesterday at the funeral that I was at yesterday, and the, they, the, one of the ladies walked up and said, you know what, the guy did a really good job with the homeowners association. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna die one day. And I hope and pray that people say a lot more about me than I did a really good job with the homeowners association. Because having, having you know, your yard pressure washed and, and, your, and, your, and your sidewalks clean and keeping your that's that's not gonna change your that's not changing no one's life. It's not going to. I want to die one day and people say, dude, the guy loved people and he made sure everyone that he knew met Jesus. Because I think that's well done, that good and faithful servant. You gave food to people who were hungry, 
He gave water to people who were thirsty. So that's kind of like my thing. I'm, like, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm processing all that. And, and, and then here's where it gets a little bit weirder, okay? As I'm sitting there, I feel like everyone, this is where it may get a little bit judgmental. And so this is where I'm kind of like treading lightly. It's like everyone in the room thinks the guy's in heaven or the girl's in heaven. And I'm the only one in the chair thinking, I'm not even sure he was saved. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, how do you know? Because I didn't, I didn't, they all know that, but I'm the only guy. And maybe all of them are right. And maybe I'm the only guy that doesn't know because I didn't, I never had a spiritual conversation with the person. So maybe I'm the only guy in there that didn't, that didn't know that the person was saved. But everyone in there is believing it. Everyone's clapping. Well done, that good and faithful servant. All that stuff's going on. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm the only one who thinks, who doesn't even know this guy's saved. But everybody else apparently knows they're saved. And I'm the only one who doesn't know that. And then another bunch of other emotions kind of flood my mind like, Maybe you're wrong, Wes, and maybe you are judgmental, Wes, and you claim to not be. And I'm processing all those things. But here's what I do know. We're all gonna die one day. That's the one thing I'm for sure of. And there and here's what I know. There is a reality to eternity. That I do know. I'm for sure of those two things. Whether all my feelings about the person are, are valid or not, it doesn't really matter, but we're all gonna die one day. I know that to be true. And neither there is their heaven is real and so is hell I know those two things are true and so here's what I want here's what I want to share with you today is that we can all be sure of that we can all be sure of our eternity today every single one of us we can be sure that when we die where we're going to spend eternity at that way one day when we get to our when we get to our our last days someone's going to stand up and say I knew that person they, they believed in Jesus I knew God saved them I, I remember when they saved them. And better yet, some of you guys in here today, you, the best gift you can give your kids this year, for the best gift that you maybe can give your mom or dad today on Mother's Day is that you accept Christ as your savior. So I don't wanna make this confusing. I don't know if all my feelings are right about the funeral, but I know this, I'm for sure of the reality of death. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, it's appointed for man to die. And then the very end of the death is judgment. I'm for sure of that. I'm for sure. I said this in our first verse. If my, my friend says to me, he's like, the worst case scenario in anything, worst case scenario of anything, is you, and you're, if you're a Christian, is that you die and go to heaven. That's the worst case scenario. If anything you're going through, it's like, I'm just going through a really, really tough time. Things are going really, really the wor- If you're saved, the worst case scenario is you die and you go to heaven. My wife, I don't want her not, if I go to my, God forbid it's something bad on my wife and I'm staying at her funeral, I'm gonna be happy for her. Cause I know she's going to heaven. Not because she's a pastor, not because she goes to church, but because she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So on this Mother's Day, the way I wanted to end today, and some of you guys are asking for a miracle and you're believing God for it, and I'm for you and I'm with you. But one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen is people give their life to Christ. It's the greatest miracle out there. Jesus would come and die and he would raise again for your sins and for my sins, and people would believe that that's the miracle. Maybe that's your miracle today. Your miracle today is salvation. We had a half a dozen friends of ours from our first service give their life to Christ today for the very first time. And now it's your turn. 